seed. Um, so uh, what I want to talk to with you today about is uh, realizing that that seed needs to, needs to get into a heart. When it gets into our, into our heart, it leads the way, it's the gateway uh, to life and life abundantly. Uh, so if, uh, <clears throat> if this morning, if it, if it seems from time to time uh, that I'm tongue-tied or that my head is in the clouds someplace, it's because I'm tongue-tied and my head is in the clouds someplace. So I've got this stuff in my head. You, you all familiar with that stuff in your head? You know, and so I got stuff in my head. And so, uh, you know, it seems like my head is about six feet above where I'm at right now. But we'll make it through it. Amen. Through the Word of God. And so we'll, we'll get the truth out there. You know, <clears throat> truth isn't dependent upon circumstances. And I'm going to talk to you this morning. I'm going to talk about healing. You're saying, well, that's kind of hypocritical. You're talking about healing and, and uh, health and all, all that stuff. And your head is full of snot and, and, uh, and, and everything else. And, and, uh, but see, it isn't, it isn't dependent upon circumstances. It's truth. You should know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the problem that we have many times is we begin to, we focus on the circumstances. You can focus on my circumstances and make the determination that healing isn't for today. Or you can focus upon the truth of the word of God that declares that by the stripes of Jesus, you and I have been healed. What are we going to take the stand on? I don't know, but as for me and my house, we're going to stand upon the Word of God. We're going to walk in the victory that's ours. And so I want to begin in 1 Peter this morning. In 1 Peter, the first chapter and the 23rd verse. And it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Thank God, the Word of God lives and it abides forever. What does that mean? It doesn't ever change. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so because that Word doesn't ever change, we can, we can stand upon it. We can, we can trust it. You know, I, I don't know about you, there, there's nothing worse than you know, trying to have confidence in someone or something whose word just flip-flops. It just changes according to the, to the wind, according to the circumstances around them. But the word of God doesn't change that way. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The promises that were made to us 2,000 years ago in the scriptures are still relevant, they're still true to us today. It doesn't ever change. When God gave us the name of Jesus, the name which is above every other name, and he says we can use that name and we can speak to demons, we can see, speak to sickness, and those things have to get out of our way, it's true today, as true today as when Jesus spoke those words. And that's how confident we need to be in the word of God, because if we're not, circumstances will be like every 
wind that tosses the boat in the sea will be tossed to and fro. The Bible talks about being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And what that means is our doctrine changes according to the circumstances of the day. Today, because I feel good, I believe in healing. Today, because all of my needs are met, I believe in prosperity. Today, because I'm not wrestling with anything in particular, I believe in deliverance. But then what happens tomorrow? The circumstances begin to change. The, the things around us begin to change. And so our doctrine begins to change. It ought not to. It ought to remain true to the word no matter what the circumstances may be around about us. And so what he's talking about here is talking about this spiritual seed. Talking about spiritual farming. And when we get that seed on the inside of us, which is our heart, you know what? The seed will always do what the seed was created to do. The seed, when it's put in the right conditions, will always germinate and it will create, it will produce a crop if the conditions are right. And that's how it is with the Word of God. It will always produce in your life and in my life. But the conditions have to be right. And what are the conditions? The conditions are my, is my heart. Do I protect what I hear? Do I guard what I see? Or do I allow any, any old thing come into my life and influence me? Because if I allow that, that's gonna hinder the growth of that seed. Because when the farmer plants a seed in the soil, he tries to get everything out of the way that's going to hinder that seed from reaching its full potential. You know, I worked for this farmer when I was in high school. There was this 80 acres he had, and it grew rocks. Every spring, I went out to the same 80 acres, and I pulled out, loaded just as many rocks as I did before, the year before. You'd think you'd run out of rocks, but it never happened. Because with the, 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 the freezing of the ground and the thawing, it would, it, they would work to the surface. And, and it was just that 180. But every year, we went out there and, and had the flatbed and had a pickup, spent probably two, three days on that 180, picking up rocks. Why? Because he didn't want the rocks to hinder that seed when it got into the ground. You know, you drive around and farmers, not today, obviously, but they're out spraying their fields. Why? To, to get rid of the weeds. Why? Because they're not gonna allow anything in that field that's going to hinder the growth of that seed. You know what it's all about? It's all about the seed. They prepare the soil, they work on that soil. Why? Because that, they want that seed to reach its full potential. Why? Because when that seed reaches its full potential, we get our abundant harvest. And over the years, they've, they've changed you know, the conditions around that seed. Where when I grew up on the farm, if you got 80 bushel an acre, you were doing wonderful. Now, I mean, if they don't get, I mean, that, that would be considered broke. But how'd they do that? They did that by preparing the conditions. 
We need to prepare the conditions for that seed that's planted in our heart. That means we guard the things that we see, we guard the things that we hear. We want it to reach its full potential. In Acts, the 20th chapter, the 32nd verse, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Listen to this again. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able, what is able? The word of his grace, which is able, God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Guess what? God's not here to tear you down. He's here to build you up. You know, <clears throat> there, there's two theories out there. You know, if you, if you want somebody to improve, what you do is you just totally take them down to nothing and then you begin to build them up to something. But you know, there's another theory out there as well. It's you take somebody where they're at and you begin to build upon that. And you build upon that and you build upon that and that individual becomes somebody that is able to do something great for society and for the kingdom of God. And so who is able to build you up, God and the grace of God, the grace of his word is able to build you up. But you know what? That which you don't know can't build you up. I was born again for years, but I didn't know that it was his desire for me to prosper. I'd been told that it was God's will for me to just barely squeak by because poverty and holiness were synonymous with one another. Well, they're totally opposites of one another. But see, if you don't know it, you can't walk in it. Didn't walk around for years as a born-again, spirit-filled believer with, with a lack of understanding that it was God's will for me to be healthy, for me to be whole. And so every year when cold time came around, what did you do? You expect colds to come. Came around this time, I didn't expect it, and the sucker's going to go, in Jesus' name. But see, if you don't know it, you can't walk in it. And so he desires for us to be blessed abundantly. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among those who are sanctified, among those who are holy among those who are saved, among those who are born again. We have our inheritance. And now we begin to walk in it. What Jesus has provided for us, that's what we're to walk in. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, I won't read it, but it says <clears throat> that you hang around people or you communicate with people uh, that have bad manners and it's going to catch it's going to be catchy you know what that means is your environment affects you and as your environment affects you it affects the conditions that the seed is planted in 
So why do we guard the environment that we're in? Because we care about the seed. We care about what that seed is going to produce in our lives, and we realize that if I don't walk a holy life, a blessed life, I'm not going to see what the blessings that God's made available to me, I'm not going to see them manifested in my life. Let me read this from my, from my notes. It says, the influence, which, <clears throat> the influence to which you expose yourself determines how you think. How you think determines how you feel. If we do not feel the way we feel, we like the way we feel, we can change the way we feel by the way we think. Our feelings determine our decisions. Our decisions determine our reality because they control our actions. Our actions eventually determine our habits. Our habits determine our character, which bring us to our destination in life. And so there's a process in everything that we do. It doesn't, it doesn't just happen. Why am, I where, why am I where I'm at in my life? It isn't because of just what took place this morning or yesterday or last week. It's a process of events that took place in our life. And the things that we allow to have influence in our life, that's what eventually determines the actions, the habits. A habit is something that you do without thinking. A habit is when something happens, what comes out of your mouth? Habitually, you know, in the world we, we cuss. But as a Christian, habitually, what we ought to do is say, thank God he can take me through this difficulty no matter what it might be. You see, our habits aren't all bad. There are certain things that we ought to be doing habitually as a habit in our life because it's going to produce the abundant life that is ours. In Proverbs 24, or excuse me, Proverbs 14, 12, it says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. There are things that seem right in the natural. And that's usually influenced by everything that we see going on around us. But it says what those things will ultimately lead to. It'll ultimately, ultimately <laughs> lead to death and destruction. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. <clears throat> I'm not used to feeling this way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, the 20, 20th verse says, my son, so he's talking to each and every one of us. My son, give attention to my word. He's telling us what we need to do. We need to give attention to his word. You know, if we, if we show up in church once in a while, once a week, and we stay pretty much awake during that period of time, but that's all we get, that's not paying attention to God's word. And that word is not going to take root. It's not going to have the effect upon our life that it needs to have. And so he says, 
My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. And so what, that, what, is, what that's saying is we've got to make an effort to hear what's being said. You know, the other night up in Fort Dodge at the prison, I was talking to Don about it on the way home. I was just saying, you know, we, we've got some of the uh, most attentive men right now in that institution that we've had. And I'm, I'm going through this study on grace with them. And, and it's, it, it's so much fun. Because literally these guys are sitting forward in their chairs so that they can hear every word that's being said. They're, they're attentive to the word. They incline their ear to my sayings. It says, do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, it's not just simply seeing the word once in a while. We've got to be looking upon the word. We've got to be seeing what that word has to say concerning my life. Because, see, that was the revelation for me. The Word of God isn't just a bunch of nice stories that we can read and that we can learn. The Word of God is truth that applies to my life. And my theory of the Word of God is if I can't take it and if I can't apply it to my everyday life, what benefit is of it? It can be historical and there's, there's historical elements of the Word. But even within the historical elements of the word, it still is adaptable. It applies to my everyday life. And he says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them, the word. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Now listen to this. For they, the word, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Who? Those that hear the word, that keep the word, that get the word in their heart. Keep your heart. Notice what it's saying. Keep your heart. The soil. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Where does our life come from? Our life comes from within. Our life comes from the Word of God. Our life comes from knowing what Jesus has truly done for us. You know, the name of this church, we got it from John 10, 10. Hallelujah. We got it from John 10, 10. And uh, made me forget what John 10, 10 said. No. <clears throat> He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. But how do we get the abundant life? We get the abundant life by realizing what Jesus has truly done for each and every one of us. The Bible says this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in the completed works of Jesus. The Bible says that we're not simply supposed to be conquerors in this life. 
Because most of the time what we see is we see Christians being conquered. Well, the Bible says that we're to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. You know, and more, not just conquerors, more than conquerors. How do you become more than a conqueror? Well, most of you have probably heard me share this, but this is my little illustration of how you become a conqueror, a more than a conqueror. A guy goes to work every day. Friday's payday. Goes in, gets his check, is on his way home, feels really good about himself, got some money in the pocket. He's a conqueror. Gets home, opens the front door. There's his wife, the big smile on her face. He takes that check, he lays it in her hand. He may be a conqueror, but she's more than a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. Why? Because Jesus did it all. All we have to do is enter into what Jesus has already accomplished for each and every one of us. He's defeated death and hell. He's defeated the enemy. He's defeated death and destruction. He's defeated it all. And what we do then is we simply enter in to what Jesus has already done for us. We're more than conquerors. But you know what? In Hosea it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of what they don't know. If we don't know what Jesus has done for us, we can't ever walk in it. I went to church for 24 years of my life and never got born again. Why? Because they forgot to tell me something very important every Sunday sitting there in church. They never told me, you must be born again. It was just because I went to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Any more than taking a Missouri mule and putting them in one of the horse barns down at Perry Meadows and thinking you got a thoroughbred. Just reminded of that because of the Triple Crown yesterday. But you know, you can take a mule, you can put it in that horse barn, you can you can comb it, you can feed it all the best food, you can brush its teeth, you can do its hooves, you can, put, you can do all the stuff that you would do. But when you take that, that mule out on the horse track, you still got a mule. Because for that mule to be a thoroughbred, it must be born again. You can go to church, and you can hear all this stuff, and you can recite all this stuff, but that doesn't make you a thoroughbred. Doesn't make you a Christian. You must be born again. And so here I am for 24 years of my life going to church. Church! And nobody told me that I needed Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. My determination, if nothing else, you're going to leave here today knowing you must be born again. You need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, in Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no other way for faith to rise up in our lives but first through the word of God. And that word is a seed that is sown in our heart that when we receive it, it'll germinate. It'll produce life and it'll produce abundant life in the life of each and every one of us if we're willing to hear, if we're willing to receive 
if we're willing to acknowledge what Jesus has truly done for us. You know, <clears throat> we have these ears so that we can hear. But you know what? We need to have enough sense to guard what we hear. We have eyes to see. But we need to guard what we see with these eyes. Because everything that's going on around us wants to distract us, wants to gain our attention, wants to cause us to look to something else. You know, in the Library of Congress, there's only one book in that entire library that's full of life. And that's the Bible. It's come, Jesus gave us this word that we might experience the abundant life. Earlier I read Acts 20, verse 32. And I want to read it again, but I want to read it out of the Message Bible. And it says, Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. It says, I'm going to turn you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word, or this word that is full of grace, can make you into what he wants you to be. Think about that. We try so hard to become something. When if we could just come to the realization that through Christ Jesus, if I would trust in him and in him alone, I can be everything that he longs, everything that he wants me to be. And it all takes place as that seed is planted in my heart. In Joshua 1.8 it says this, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do what is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. God says that through this word, as we hear this word, as we receive this word, we'll become obedient to this word. And through this word, our way will be made prosperous. We will make our way prosperous. We will have good success in life. And what I love about that passage, when it says good success, it's talking about success in every area of life, physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. God wants us to have good success in every area of our life. And as we put our trust in him, Notice it says we're to meditate on the word day and night. That just simply means we're supposed to be thinking about it. How often do we go through the day and we don't even give God and his word another thought? That word ought to be continually before us. We ought to be, be conscious of his word. You know, hopefully, <clears throat> when you leave here today, whether it's positive or negative, I hope you dissect everything that I said. Because if you begin to dissect everything that I'm saying, at least you're thinking about it. And if I can get you thinking about the Word of God, that Word can produce something within your heart. But oftentimes what happens is, is we hear it and it's gone and we walk away from it. 
and has no more influence in our life. The greatest influence that we had, ought to have in our life, of course we say it's Jesus, but it's going to be through his word. It's going to be Jesus through his word. That ought to be the greatest influence that we have in our life. But you know what? <clears throat> influence is an influence until it influences. Whew, you might want to write that one down. That is really good. But you know what? It's true. Influence, Dr. Coley said, change isn't change until you change. But I'm going to up him one. Influence is an influence until it's influenced you. What influence does the Word of God have in your life? If it doesn't, then you're not, it doesn't have an impact upon your life. We've got to allow this Word to have an influence, an impact upon each and every one of our lives. In Isaiah 55, verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from the heavens, and do not return, return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed, uh, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. The word of God will accomplish in our lives what that word was sent to do, if we'll allow it to. You know, oftentimes we look at this passage and we say, yeah, God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, so I guess there's just nothing that I can do about it. But that's not what it's saying. It's saying God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But that's why, according to Romans 12, 2, we renew our minds by the word of God. So our thoughts become his thoughts. Our ways become his ways. What we say becomes what God says. And we experience that, that abundance. And, and the confidence is in knowing that God's word will not return to him void. God's word is going to accomplish what it was sent forth to do. And so that means in each of our lives, there ought to be this expectation that what God has promised in his word, he's going to perform it. Because God is not a man that he should lie. And what he's promised, that word is not going to return void. It's going to accomplish what is sent forth to do. <clears throat> now, I believe that there's a twofold meaning to this. I believe the first meaning of this is that Jesus was the word became flesh. And Jesus, the word came, and that word did not return to God void. It accomplished what it was sent forth to do. Jesus, through his death, burial, and his resurrection, he paid the price for you and I that we might be able to have life and that we might be able to have it more abundantly. But I believe the other side of it is that his word that has been spoken into your life and into my life, it is not going to return void. It is accomplishing what it was sent forth to do in each of our lives. In Psalms 107, 20, it says, 
He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The enemy is known as the destroyer. He wants to bring destruction into our life. Everything that we see going on around us is destructive. But he didn't come to bring destruction. He, be, he came so that he might build us up. That we might once again be strong and whole in the things of God and walk in the victory that truly belongs to us. One last passage before we close. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's, there's weapons that have been formed against you. And what's the purpose of that weapon? To bring destruction, to, to destroy you, to bring you down. And it says, no weapon that's been formed against you shall prosper. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment will be condemned. Every word that is spoken against you, everyone that judges you, it says those words will be of no effect. They'll be condemned. They'll be of no effect in our life. You know what most of the weapons are that are formed against us? They're formed by words. Stuff that people say. And you know, we need to realize that those words are conformed. No, no weapon formed against me. No word formed against me, shall prosper. No word, <clears throat> you know, the old saying, sticks and bones, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And there is never a bigger lie. Because words do hurt. But you know what? We have authority over those words. We can bring those words down in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that weapon, that weapon that has been formed, it shall not prosper. Better watch it, I'll blow my microphone out. They shall not prosper in Jesus' name because the victory is ours. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which is raised against you in judgment shall be con shall, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me. It's talking about us. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Jesus did for me. You, as born-again believers, are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And so what that means is then we, as born-again believers, we have the authority in the name of Jesus to tear down those strongholds that have been raised up in our lives through words. And they can no longer hold us back. They can no longer stop us. You know, for so many of us, our identity was, was formed by words. It was formed by words being said that you were never going to be able to accomplish it. You couldn't do it. You're, you're no good. You're, you're from the wrong side of the tracks. You're this, that, or the other. All words. But you know what? Every one of those words, they begin to form an image. And we begin to see ourselves in a certain ways. We see ourselves as defeated. We see ourselves as a loser. We see ourselves 
as an, an, a non-achiever. And we believe it. And that becomes a strong, that's a weapon to bring death and destruction into your life. But when we begin to speak over ourselves what the Word of God says about us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. When we begin to believe that, it forms a new image on the inside of us. My old image, I could have never stood up here this morning. I was afraid to get up in front of people. I couldn't talk in, fr I couldn't talk in front of people. Blah, blah, blah. can hardly do it today. But because of fear of man, it would have held me back. I would have never been able to do what I've done for the last 38 years. But it's through the power of the grace of God. And that's what he wants to work in each of our lives. And it begins with words. And you need to begin to recognize the words that have been spoken to you, over you that bring destruction. And you need to begin to reject those words and say, those words have no effect over me. That is a weapon of the enemy to bring me down, to keep me from reaching my full potential. And I renounce it in Jesus' name. You say, well, pastor, I don't know. Well, you better know. You have that authority in the name of Jesus. Rise up and use that authority. In my family, it was alcohol was a weapon that the enemy had formed to bring destruction into our household, into our family. I remember sitting in, in class in, in Bible school and reading through uh, this scripture and it says that the sins of the fathers are passed on to the third and fourth generation. And, and I looked at it and I thought, you know what, if the, if the sins of the fathers are passed on to the third and fourth generation, why can't the blessings of the fathers be passed on to the third and fourth generation? I'd seen my uncles, I'd seen my aunts, I'd seen my cousins, the destruction in their lives. And I sat there and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I take authority over this addiction in Jesus' name, and I bind this weapon in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and it shall not have power and authority in the life of my household. And Jesus, if you shall tarry, it'll not have authority in my life, it'll not have authority in my children's life, it'll not have authority in my grandchildren's lives, and if Jesus shall tarry, it'll not have authority in my great-grandchildren's life. You and I, we carry that authority, but we've got to recognize it. We have an enemy that wants to destroy each and every one of us. Our testimony is the deliverance that we've received through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That all things are possible, not because of what I've done, not because of my education, not because of my great knowledge, it's because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He's our victory. He's our all in all. But we've got to plant the seed. We've got to believe the seed. The heart. The heart, your, your inner man, is the, great, is the gateway to life. He desires for you to prosper 
and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions, and so we'll never prosper beyond the knowledge that we have of God, of what he's accomplished for us. Why do we want to know more of the completed works of Jesus? So that we can walk in it. So we can experience his abundance, his greatness, because he's done it for each and every one of us. And so, Father, I take this word and I seal it by your spirit in the name of Jesus. And it'll not be stolen. It'll bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And the enemy will experience the defeat that is already his through Christ Jesus. And so we thank you and we give you praise in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our worship this morning by receiving Holy Communion. And so if the ushers and elders will come forward and prepare the elements, and we're missing some ushers and elders this morning, but uh, I know you guys can wing it. And uh, so if, uh, the way we serve communion here, we pass out the elements. And uh, when you receive it, you can either take it at that time or hold it to the end and we'll all receive it together. If you're visiting with us, uh, if you've been born again, if you're part of the family of God, uh, we welcome you to participate uh, as a member of our extended family. You know, in the Bible, when Jesus instituted communion. They were all gathered together in one place and as they were sitting there, Jesus began to share with them. And first of all, he shared with them about the, the bread, the bread that represents his body. And he talked about to them about the fact that his body was gonna be broken so that, so that they might be whole. So Jesus, when he suffered upon that cross, when he was upon the cross, when he took the stripes upon his back, he received those stripes for you and I. His, his body was broken so that your body and my body would be whole. In communion, is a time of remembrance. If you remember, Jesus said, when you receive this, do it in remembrance of me. And so it's a time of remembrance, a time of remembering what Jesus did for each and every one of us. And when Jesus suffered on that cross, he did it for you so that your sins would be forgiven. When he took those stripes upon his back, he took those stripes for you so that you might behold and behold. And so we're reminded of that. And so this bread represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as you receive it, receive it in remembrance of him, the body of Christ.
Also look at, at it as a, as a touching point, as a point where we can make contact with God and say, through your stripes I have been healed, therefore I receive this as an affirmation of your healing in my life. But then Jesus also took the cup cup of the New Testament, the cup which had the juice, which represented the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The Bible says where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so Jesus, he shed his blood for you and I so that our sins could be forgiven. And when he did that, the sins of humanity were taken care of for all, for all times. One sacrifice for all men. And so Jesus, when he gave them the juice, he said, now drink this in remembrance of me, in remembrance that it's through the shedding of my blood that your sins are forgiven. And so for us, it's a reminder. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven because of Jesus. And so I, I live in that position. I walk in that position of forgiveness. The Bible says that my sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Never to be encounter one another again. That's how far they've been removed. So this represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. As you receive it, receive it in remembrance of him, the blood of Christ. Now, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that your response to every one of your promises to us is yes and amen. And Father, we thank you that you want to meet every one of our needs according to your riches in glory. And so Father, we give you praise and honor and glory today because you're worthy of it, because we can trust you in every situation. And Father, we thank you that you're the God, the El Shaddai, that's more than enough. So we just thank you today. So Homer, why don't you come on up here? He smashed his foot, and so we're going to pray for him. Well, that's tough. You know, Paul talked about the thorn in his side. Father, we thank you for your healing power. So Father, we just pray right now for that foot. We say, be whole in Jesus' name. By the stripes of Jesus, he has been healed. So, Father, we claim that and we receive that healing power to flow 
through this body right now. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, guy. Well, as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug to let them know you love them.